Coming up on the Lady Boss Podcast, you're going to hear from Corey Trevino, CEO of Rock Your Product. I think you'll find it interesting to hear how Corey takes businesses pre-revenue all the way up to midsize and brings them to the next level. Corey, I've been waiting for this day. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Lady Boss. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get to it. You are the most businessy girl I have met in a long, long time, and I say that with the utmost of love. <laughs> you know what? It's weird because I, you know, my story, and I grew up with an entrepreneur family, but you grew up with a doctor. And um, how did you get this businessy? So. Similar to your background, I grew up in a family where we sat and talked about real life subjects at dinner. So very academic family and it was really important to my parents that we spent a lot of time dissecting every piece of life from business to politics to human society. And so this was my upbringing and it was incredibly obvious as a young person that I wasn't going to get away from really being able to evaluate every aspect of life because that was that was what I grew up in and so it it definitely translated into my business world. It's so funny because people say well like why are you good at this and I'm like because I feel like if I weren't good at this after that training night after night six o'clock dinner every night for you know 18 years till I left for college um, boy, I'm not a very quick study. And um, similarly, um, yet on the other hand, you know, people rebel and, and people don't like things that they hear at home. So I just was so excited when I met you because um, you could go out on a coffee date and talk and talk business the entire time. And a lot of times I have to tether it back because not everybody wants to talk entrepreneurship all day. So you also have had a corporate background, you've started things, but what I'm so fascinated about is what you're doing now. Um, I think both being an author, absolutely epic, we'll get to that, and being what I call the um, you know zillionaire consultant, meaning you are just not bashful about how much it costs to work for you, work with you. And I think so many people struggle with what is their value. How come you are so confident? Value to me comes from within. And along with that foundation as a parental guidance that my parents gave me of really understanding how to dissect life, they also taught me really have to have a solid foundation of who I was. And that is such an essential part in entrepreneurship to define and to create that experience when you work with other people, is to create an opportunity where you put yourself in front of the brilliance of which you can deliver and not allow other people to dictate the limiting experiences that you can actually bring to the market. And so I think part of the upbringing and the love and the cherished and the beauty that came into my childhood was being able to create an opportunity where I was really sure that I was really good at what I did or I didn't do it. And so I've spent over 30 years perfecting the art of doing what I do, which is understanding business, that I feel at this point in my life that I deserve the opportunity to be able to get paid what I should be getting paid in return for the experience that I'm delivering to my clients. So, so I hope people listen to that because really what you just summarized is mindset and um, confidence. And I know I can relate to when I first started my first business, I called those certain accounts that <clears throat> I would take reluctantly 
as paying the light bulb accounts. They were not strategic, not even people I particularly like to work with, but they paid the light bulb and I needed the light bulb bill paid because I was very small and had no reserves. So you're not in that place today, which I also think it's also, it's interesting to like, I'm at a place where I can be more discerning, where I can pick people that I like to work with that really meet my values and are good fits in our organization. But we're, you know, 30 years into our career. So how did you, did you get to this mindset or did you ever have those days where you picked the wrong clients and didn't charge enough because you just knew you had to pay the light bulbs? Sure, yes. So when I started this entrepreneurial journey seven years ago, I certainly was not in this place, okay. right? Coming out of 25 years in corporate where I understood my place in the corporate experience, right? You've learned it, you know it, you've grown with it. You, you've earned those stripes to feel this sense of confidence at where you're at. When you leave anything and you start new, it creates this entire new dynamic of having to figure out where do you fit in, right? But the beauty of that and the creativity behind entrepreneurship is that you can do it pretty quickly. So although there was a transition phase, and yes, to answer your question, did I take on some clients that maybe weren't the right fit for me or as favorable, or I didn't charge them as much because I wasn't ready to, that is part of the journey of continuing to grow any kind of organization to understand what your value is and what your worth is. And I work with my clients on that all the time because even though they're selling physical product-based businesses or physical products in their companies, they tend to use our old mindset of limiting beliefs yep. around pricing product for their market. And it is something that not only have I seen the evolution of in my own transition, so I can certainly appreciate and respect that evolved thinking that every business needs to go through to understand how to price themselves appropriately in the market and not based on their own potential limiting beliefs of where they're at in the market, but really the greater good of the marketplace. So it is, it is definitely an evolved process for sure. I think it's just such an important, um you know, for the listeners to hear that it is an evolution, because if you said you were born like this, I'd say you're lying, because <laughs> the reality is we all, you know, it's easy in a way to to feel like you can ask for what you're worth when you're also not coming from scarcity. And when are you not coming from scarcity? When you have enough. When do you have enough? Depends. So I think, you know, you had a really awesome upbringing that kind of got your cup half full to start with. And then you did a lot of great stuff that gave you the confidence to go out and, and do your own consulting firm. I'm curious though, with the startup companies that a lot of your clients are, are they self-funded or they go out and raise money? Yeah, so great question and such a big defining difference, right? Yes. So when you're self-funded, you come from a very bootstrapped mentality in everything you're doing. Exactly. And when you're funded, you think that that capital is going to be able to give you the lift. And actually, I've worked with both. Okay. My preference is to work with self-funded companies because there's a different amount of deep passion that comes from ownership when you really are spending every dollar that you earn back into your business or you are self-funding from the beginning that business, which means you're taking your hard-earned money or your savings and you're investing it. There is a different, I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm saying there is a difference to the way that I see the entrepreneurs live out the experience when they're self-funding the, the opportunities for growth. It, it, it is, it actually can be night and day difference. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because the dichotomy of, um, you know, you charge great pricing 
and people that aren't self-funded is that you know they're writing someone else's a check for someone else and that someone else gave them they're not they're being paid they're not you know sweat equity owners like a lot of entrepreneurs that i grew up respecting and all of a sudden they're writing consulting checks because it's easier quite frankly than doing the work in faster maybe and so i just wondered um do you see people really diligent um as young companies who have taken money coming out and hiring you as a consultant are they as diligent as your you know self-funded startup sweat equity owners who are like this is a lot of money Corey. i, I i'm rolling my dice on you yes and so i prefer again the rolling the dice right yeah. because at the end of the day entrepreneurship is this amazingly spirited opportunity to do it disruptive or do it your way or create a new interesting path to experiences when you are doing it the traditional way and you have all these people these vcs or you know people who have given you the money telling you what you need to do it becomes a it becomes a a less flowy experience in what the outcome is going to be and so i feel that the people that come with their own money and yes it is an investment but it is truly an investment and you know that because you've hired and, and brought on coaches and consultants and advisors through your career you understand that there is an amazing amount of return on that investment. So it's not that you're spending money, it's that you're investing money. And anyone that invests with the right mindset understands that they would expect something to come back in return. So I expect when people come into our partnership and they hire my advisory firm, they are doing it from a place that they understand that they are going to put in every ounce of effort to create the response and the return that they want and that is the return they're going to get, whether it's subconsciously or consciously that yep. they're getting there. They're doing this as part of their path to get to success. 100%. I think um, I've experienced when I reframe that word, I used to call it again earlier when I, you know, probably had less reserves and, and less that feeling that I had um, enough of whatever enough was, I would call it spending. And the minute I reframe that word to call investing, whether it's you know, people, consultant, employees, machinery, building, it puts an intentionality to it that is the outcome that's so positive. So when I'm intentionally investing, I write a little, you know, short investing thesis. What am I going to spend? What's the return going to look like? What am I going to get out of this? And I've talked a lot on the show about how powerful writing is and how committing pen to paper has yielded the greatest results of my life because your subconscious is going to work on it. So I think that's a really strong practice that you're really asking that person, you know, rather than a transactional consulting relationship where you're like, great, got my fee, let's get to work. You're really making sure, are they gonna do the work? Because otherwise they'll be unhappy with your services, nothing to do with you, but that has a trickle down effect 100%. where if they go out and talk about the experience and the place, it, it wasn't worth what you charged them and it certainly can have damage. So consulting is obviously what a firm needs and, and what your expertise is, meeting in the middle and you know, one plus one equals three. But uh, so I understand you're selling custom solutions. I'm very clear about that. If you had to say, what's the thing that most of your clients struggle with the most? Is it business development? Is it financing? Is it marketing? Can you put a, a little bit of a picket fence around that for us? Sure. So great question, Courtney. And why it's great is because what happens in entrepreneurship, as you know, is it can be a very complex road. There are a lot of things as entrepreneurs that we have to manage through. So everything you just mentioned from sales and marketing to operations to human capital 
to all the financial decisions across the whole platform. So what I help entrepreneurs do, and I work with companies that are pre-revenue up to about $50 million of revenue annually. And within that scope, there are very specific sequences of events that those companies need to understand and follow in order to have the results and the outcome that they want to have. So the key to what I do in a boutique firm and personalizing the experience for each entrepreneur, their journey, their business desires, is to understand what is the sequence of events that are going to get them to the outcome. Because often they come and they are doing too many things that are naturally not, they're detracting from versus adding value to the outcome that they're looking to achieve. And it's not like these glaring things sometimes. Sometimes they're micro experiences that people are spending their time around or capital, which we know is key yeah. in early entrepreneurship. And we just discussed the fact that I like working with those bootstrapping businesses. That means every dollar that goes out or is invested needs to be done wisely with a purpose and a sequence to what's going to come next. And so it is very important that we can work through that process together. So effectively, you're kind of their COO, managing lots of different decisions and that looks different depending on where they are in their sequence. But so interesting that the, the one caveat is they are primarily pre-revenue companies. Did I hear you say that right? So a little bit. So I go from pre-revenue okay. up to 50 up million to in okay. revenue a year. So along that trajectory, certainly a company that is pre-revenue has a specific series of things they need to be doing. The problem is they get distracted saying, well, these you know larger companies are doing this, so I should be doing that, but they're not there yet. Now on the reverse, when you're a 25 or $30 million company and you're not doing certain things in your business, you are now jeopardizing the growth that you've created. So we need to address that. And then the companies that are getting that 40 or $50 million mark, they're in a whole different position of yeah. what are we looking at next, right? Kind of where we've discussed, yeah. you know, yeah. your businesses, right? Yeah. You know, what are those next big hurdles that I want to overcome? or opportunities that I want to create for my business. And that is the 40 to $50 million range ten, tends to fall into that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that was okay. helpful. Thank okay. you. Give me just like a little success story that you really feel, uh, because I know certainly in having our own consultants, um, you know, is it that they planted the seed, but we executed? Is it that they executed and that's all great? But you know, it's hard to say what they actually they were responsible for, but I think that every consultant who works in a business knows what they were really responsible for, what they kind of led and thought of and created and driven. Is there anything that you're just really proud of? Sure. So my sweet spot working with companies is to help entrepreneurs understand that there's various ways to create revenue in their business. So, so often when entrepreneurship starts and businesses start and they take off, they start with a real focus around one marketplace. So typically in my industry, a lot of people start online today, right? They start in the Amazons or the e-commerce world and they've grown their businesses, right? To 5 million, 20 million, 40 million. And now they're stuck in this one avenue of business and they've lost sight of the fact that in order to have a sustainable, really truly desirable business that they may want to exit at some point, they need to actually diversify. You know, you've talked about before, you know, having a solo customer or solo focus in your market can be a, a deterrent, a distractant, yeah. and also could be a demise to your company if you allow yourself to focus on one. So the greatest 
piece of growth that I'm able to help any of my clients is understanding diversification in their business and different channels of distribution to actually scale and grow their businesses. So I have many examples where I have a client currently, they were doing $25 million a year online, and now we've gotten them their first $3 million of orders offline at retail. So that's one example. I've got a, another client who's done close to $3 million online, and now we just got them a big contract with a professional distributor who's gonna take them to all the professional marketplaces that they need to go to. That should be a million dollar contract in the first year. So the experience and the growth of what they feel through this transition is like this wide open experience of, wow, I just you just blew up my mind that I thought we were only gonna play in this field, and now we've got all these different metrics that we get to play in and fast multipliers start to come. So it's, I love what I do because it's so exciting. You get to see that fast growth opportunity. Yeah. And I think that people, um, there's a real benefit to hiring um, somebody with outside perspective. Um, people are a little more attentive um, because they are, you know, paying as they go, so to speak. You know, sometimes ideas get watered down in companies when the same leadership team comes to the table all the time. They present the ideas, but when you, as an outsider, see them with a fresh set of eyes and bring them to the table, is that part of the magic? They, they, they're just more willing to listen and act because they're, you know, writing checks for those ideas. Sure, absolutely. So. All my clients I work with for one-year contracts. So I take the pressure off of every phone call, every month. We're going to be together for a year. And 70% of my clients enroll with me for a second year. So I know that it's a long-term trajectory. We know that nothing happens that fast in yeah. business. So we yeah. have to be patient with the process. But the beauty of what I get to do is take all the awesomeness that a company has created, that beautiful foundation, and help them in most cases to then be able to take that and just expand it out. So it's like a celebration of the work that they've done and all that goodness that they've brought into their business. And now they get to just blow it up and create more opportunity than they potentially were able to see in their little world of opportunity that they created for themselves. They thought they were you know, rocking it and they are, but they're going, wait, but I know there's more, right? But wait, there's more, there's, yeah. always, more. there's always more. So where is the more that we can dive into together to get you to the other side of that? So, so hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, no, that was helpful, thanks. So as I understand it, you primarily work um, yourself in this consulting firm and, and you get lots and lots of referrals and people are kind of at the waiting list. Um, is there any other way that, why solopreneur versus building out a consulting firm and letting everybody have access to the process, maybe at different price points that would involve other companies? Seems like that's been something you've looked at, considered, definitely could do. Why has that not been the path in this last seven years? Yeah, great, great question. So actually the path has evolved. So I started in, when I left corporate, speaking globally for three and a half years around the world to entrepreneurs. And through that experience, I did offer group coaching programs. So 40 people, 50 people would come into these trainings that we would do, and we would teach them in a group setting, which was beautiful because it created a dynamic environment where there were other entrepreneurs that could learn from each other and go through and guide through a process together. For me, intellectually, although I loved that, I actually am very much a strategist. And in order to get into someone's strategy and really help to define their needs in their business, you really have to go into a one-on-one -on -one experience of building that, that opportunity. And so I actually transitioned from that experience into this boutique one-on-one -on -one 
experience because to me, it's more fulfilling. So at some point in your career, you have to do things that are really fulfilling for you. And I have fallen into this place now for the last four years that I absolutely love, that has given me an opportunity because I can create such grander impact. You know, group training only allows you to grow meaning you, the entrepreneur, so much. But when you're one-on-one -on -one and you're held accountable every week to the growth of your business, and you're doing it with somebody else that is coming back and asking you the strategic questions, it forces you to be stronger, better, and more engaged really in the outcome of your business. And so what I've seen happen has been, to me, just beautifully, um, beautifully defined in this transition for me, and I just feel like I'm back in my sweet spot. So that's, that's why awesome. I'm here, that's why I'm here. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's um, the, the law of, look, the law of large numbers has, has a super important too, but I think um, you just touched on fulfillment, you touched on, you know, finding out what you're, you drive the most value at for your customers, what you're best at. I mean, you were great at global speaking, you're great at all of those things, but if they don't hit all the buttons, and, and that is also the beauty about entrepreneurship is you can say, no, I am happy being a solopreneur. I can meet my financial goals. I can hit, hit my, um, you know, things that really matter to me. And I don't know what other job there is in a world where you can kind of get your entire checklist and cake and say, okay, we did it today. And so I really like the intentionality of saying, you know, yeah, I could build a firm, um, go back to hiring lots of people, managing the troops, not doing the work, which is pretty much what happens when you have a team. Um, but you're saying, look, I like the work, I'm valuable at the work, I enjoy the clients, and I'm just doing amazing stuff. So that wasn't good enough, so you had to go write a book, huh? <laughs> so first of all, just to answer that, it was like full circle back to my childhood, what you just brought for me. Because in my childhood, my parents brought me up questioning everything, being strategic, being very thoughtful in everything I do. And it was like, through the corporate experience, you could do that. And then through group coaching and speaking on large stages, you could do that, but it almost like watered it down. So now I'm kind of going back to where I'm sitting across from somebody, creating a very meaningful experience for them, where I'm giving them the opportunity to really blow up and expand their world. And so for me, it's almost like full circle back to what I was raised believing. So anyways, I just wanted to bring that up because oh, you just brought me through that experience of, yeah, I'm back where I'm back. I feel like I'm home. This yeah. is This is home for me. So writing a book, well, um, so becoming an expert, right? Leaving corporate and thinking, what are the things that you need to do as an entrepreneur in the world? You know, outside of being a, now a serial entrepreneur and investing in all different things, which is like having a holding company, right? You've got your hands in the pot and a lot of different things. And that's really what I've become over the last seven years is really a serial entrepreneur. But one of those things was writing a book. And it was kind of like, you know when people run marathons and you're like, God, that's crazy, like all the training and all the work that goes into that and like the, the blood, the sweat, the tears, and yet people do it, right? Even though it's physically maybe not great for your body, people do it. So there's always that challenge that you're looking for, and I love a good challenge. <laughs> so somebody challenged me to write a book, and I thought somebody who grew up with a learning disability in school who thought, you know, was told by educators I probably would never go to university and graduated on the dean's list from university. It's like that challenge, that, that desire to constantly push yourself beyond. 
So I wrote a book and it took two and a half years. Funny enough, I had hired a book coach because of course you don't do anything alone. You have to hire a coach. So I'd hire a book coach right before COVID. Actually, it was about six months before COVID. And I was traveling all over the world at the end of COVID. I was in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, literally the weeks leading up. Singapore, mm -hmm. had flown back to the States. My last event was in Orlando. And I had planned on coming home and starting to write my book prior to even this world, you know, shutting down in COVID. But then COVID happened in that March, and that was when I was purposely going to start writing my book. And it couldn't have been more divine, right? Because what else can you do? You know, everyone was watching their Netflix, and I'd never even seen a Netflix series, and everyone's telling me you should do this and that. And I said, no, I'm going to spend the next two years and just write this book. And that's literally what I did. I really kind of put my entire life on hold other than practice with my clients and keeping my business going, I gave up a lot of the the things that I had really loved doing for the purpose to really funnel all of my energy and excitement into this book. So it was it was an amazing experience and certainly one that is like running a marathon. <laughs> There's a lot of practice in it that you have to do to create success. Yeah, so I mean, I think people, lots of people will write one book or two books or multiple books to talk about it being an investment. Um, you know, and you definitely have shared that. Um, what do you think, um, what's the what's the return on investment this, you know, a year into it? Yeah, great question. So I think everyone in their life should write a book at some point. One, you become a much better writer. So I would say I have become a much better writer for writing a book. Two, there's nothing more humiliating at, it was almost 50 years old when I wrote this book, by somebody telling you that what you wrote really didn't attract the audience or engage the audience, or maybe you should think about rewriting it after you just spent weeks writing it. It's certainly intimidating. And I think being humbled is such an important part of life, right? Being told that there's another way to think about things. I think that really is in the purest form and experience about the book that I highly encourage people to go through because it just, it's self-fulfilling, it's a self-journey, it's, um, it's really challenging yourself in so many ways that you wouldn't have normally been challenged. So I think that's a part of it. For me, I chose this book in collaboration, which it's not like we each picked a chapter and wrote a chapter, but I had actually hired the book coach and I had met my first co-writer literally at my last event before COVID shut us down. And super smart woman, 10 years older than I am, studied law, just extraordinarily articulate and, and also a great businesswoman. And she called me up two weeks after I met her because I had told her I'm going home to start this book. And she said, hey, do you want to write this book together? And I said, well, sure, because who wants to write a book by themselves? <laughs> so it sounds like a beautiful collaboration. Anyway, long story short, my the book writer, sorry, the book coach I had hired ended up not being able to fulfill on her book arrangement with me. Well, now I had me and another writer and didn't know what to do. So we went off and we called one of our friends who had written a best-selling book and said, can you help us through this process? Like, you know, hiring a coach, like, what do we do next? So after about a three-hour conversation, she was so enthralled by the topic, which this book is for women by women. It's about women entrepreneurship and the holistic approach of women going through the holistic journey of entrepreneurship. That's what this is all about. She didn't want to get off the phone with us, and she is already a best-selling author and a successful businesswoman. And she said, yes, we need to write this book. And I said, do you want to join us? And she said, I would love to join you. So it became a collaboration of three, and it was literally the best way I could have thought to write a book with two amazingly intelligent women who are full-blown in their own careers, have had success, and taught me through the journey things that I didn't even expect to learn. So it was, it was brilliant. 
So good. I um, I think it's very um, similar to what we talked about, like picking the right partner. You were picking no different than some of your clients right now who go into business with a partner. Does it work out? Does it not? You're picking a partner when you're going through something that's two years. And um, the book is out. The book is wildly successful. Um, I don't think I heard you say what were the big takeaways. Biggest takeaway from the book? Return on investment. So, yeah, so I, I think all your lessons are super important because we talk a lot about on this show about being uncomfortable. When you're uncomfortable, when I'm uncomfortable, that's my best learning. And, um, you know, being, you know, getting humility from something, um, getting feedback that is hard to hear, it's really part of getting better. It's just hard to hear. It's great as you get older because you're used to hearing it so often that you get, you get good at hearing it. But what, now that you've done it, you know, did you get more followers, more money, more clients? What was the real aha? So the book is called B, from Passion and Purpose and Product and Prosperity. So it really is the holistic approach of entrepreneurship. What is your passion? What are you doing purposefully to get there? What product or service are you launching? And what is the prosperity or the goal that you have in your life? Because we all have different end games that we're trying to accomplish. So that was the, the mission of the book, was to bring those four quadrants together to be able to create really a holistic journey for an entrepreneur. And we focused on women entrepreneurs, not because we have anything against men, because we love the men in our lives, but we understand that women entrepreneurship has exploded in the last five years and continues to grow. And so women need to address the needs of women, and that's what we're here doing. So my biggest takeaway was probably leading to new opportunities, leading to amazing people, leading to new places to go speak, leading to new opportunities to create impact. I think the greatest takeaway was when somebody reads the book and they call me up or they send me a message and tell me how the book has actually changed their life, that probably is the most foundational experience that is rewarding to the amount of hours yeah. and the amount of weekends and the amount of time that we had to give up to actually put this thing together as a collaboration. And I think just seeing how really your words, your words and what you do in this in this interview opportunity where you bring people in and you have this conversation and bring stories to light is really helping other people see in themselves what possibilities and opportunities they can bring out in their own lives. And that was why we wrote this book. And so to see that come to fruition, to actually see that actuate itself, that probably was the guess, the best takeaway that I could have from this experience. Well, that that is just the most meaningful. I mean, you know, I think once you get to um, a place in your career where it's just not all the dollars and cents and, you know, your 20 year old self would laugh about getting a text message and hearing like that they, somebody changed their life. You know, it may not have been the most important thing at that time. So awesome when you can realize that these labors of love, these absolute givebacks, I'm not saying that they're not opportunity, but they're a lot more giving <laughs> than taking um, is, is the value in some cases. But secondly, I think in this world of content that we live in, um, putting yourself out there in such a public way and then driving a marketing effort behind that is how you get those killer opportunities, which you continue to get. And, um, I, you know, especially in the world we live in where it's so fast paced and so digital that you're as good as what you did last second ago. 
So the fact that you spent that effort to get a, a best-selling book and that just happened is really um, a leading indicator for what's to come for you. So as we wrap this up, you know, if we we're looking out a couple years from now, what do you think that um, Corey's life's going to look like? What do you think you'll be doing more of and what do you think you'll be doing less of? Hmm, great question. So I'm a big believer that you have to continually invest in yourself. So part of writing a book, part of doing podcasts, part of speaking at events, part of giving back is that you're continually investing in yourself to grow and expand and, and that allows you to be relevant. And so that sense of relevancy, if we want to be in this place, is really a key and important. And it's important for my clients to realize that I'm investing in myself, which in turn wants them, gives them a reason to invest in me. And it's the same for any business owner, right? Yeah. Any company has to demonstrate you got a new piece of equipment today. You're super excited about it, right? You have to continue to invest in your business and in yourself in order for others to want to come to be part of that, that ecosystem. Yeah. And that is so important. And so for me, my journey will continue to be challenge myself, whether it's, you know, running, running the stairs at the beach and, you know, whatever that challenge is, right? Whatever that challenge and opportunity is, it's to continue to find those challenges because without them, to me, there's just not life can become very mundane. And so meeting new people, having new conversations, exploring new ideas, expanding my thinking in so many different ways. And now I, I belong to a lot of boards. I do a lot of committee work. I certainly look at organizations that I can personally invest in. We own an entire portfolio of real estate now because to me that's just a whole nother challenging area to learn and grow in and create another resource of revenue for yourself. So it's really that, that idea that I want to continue to expand and create a larger ecosystem where not only I can feel fulfilled, which is most important, but then in return, I can give it back to others to feel as fulfilled as possible in their lives. Yeah, that's super meaningful and so important for, I, I, I love the net, the net new. Basically, I call it net new. What's going to be net new this year that is something I haven't done, I haven't tried, I'm probably not good at, but I can expand into my world, learn it, add it to my portfolio, and um, have another aha because you're right. I, I think um, we're not running the railroad people when we're entrepreneurs. We are change, blow stuff up, start a forest fire, figure it out, move on. And um, I think that's why we're fast friends is we have such a like type. So uh, this was so uh, so helpful and um, your, your level of thinking and intentionality is so um, inspiring. And I really appreciated you sharing all of uh, some of your journey and, and what's next for you, Corey. Thank you, Courtney.